Yo. Tom. Welcome to the Dead Format. My name is Ian McEwen. I'm joined tonight by co-host Tom Smiley. We're here to bring you all the legacy news following this uh, very important ban, and things have really shaken up. I am so excited to talk about legacy today. I'm like fueled by the tears of everybody who's been bitching about the reserve list, and I'm just so excited to play. This is crazy times, right? At the uh, at the tournament the other day, I was kept telling you I was excited to play Standard on uh, July 14th at SCG Worcester because I'm just kind of sick of Legacy right now. Like, the play patterns have been the same for so long. You know, there's interesting games here and there, but it's just kind of stale, you know? Yeah, the the same color combinations were popping up so frequently that even if you're playing against different decks, you see... Deathrite and Ponder and Brainstorm throughout Pile and Delver and some of the other decks and everything just sort of blends together. And I think these bannings do a really good job of actually separating archetypes out to where people are going to have to make some tough decisions as to how they're going to put their decks together. And there isn't there isn't like a best deck. It's kind of the Wild West right now. And that's great. That's exciting magic to play. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to this gauntlet that we're talking about having uh, this weekend. Hash that out. Yeah, we uh, we're having a few people over to do some like focus testing to get ready for Worcester and Philly, and then we have a little bit more time to get ready for Richmond. But this is going to be this is going to be an exciting summer. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to think that what what do you think? Twenty five percent of the meta. 20% the Grixis Delver and Chuck Pile decks are just basically going to disappear overnight and be completely replaced by a whole bunch of older archetypes. It's almost like we're going back to 2013 legacy to sort of to sort of start everything out. Yeah, and that's that's your area of expertise on this call because I started playing legacy in 2014, so I can just look at deck lists, I guess, like Sam Black, 2013, stuff like that. Yep, I remember that was Grand Prix, Washington, D.C. in 2013. I was playing Owen's deck, the Jeskai Delver, which was basically Jeskai Stoneblade with um, with Delver Secrets in it. And True Name had just been printed. It was actually a $100 card at the event. And what? Sam Black, yeah, um, people on the way down to the Grand Prix... We're stopping at every Walmart and Target to try to find <laughs> copies of the uh, of the Commander deck that it came printed in, and people couldn't find them. But Sam Black ended up top eighting with the Bant deck that sort of morphed into the deck that you and I played for for quite a while. Yeah, shout out to Unco Man. Yeah, he he definitely brought it back. I um was actually playing Grixis Delver before I saw that list, and um and switched over before Grand Prix Columbus. And we each had we each had pretty good finishes there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like looking back at Sam's deck, it, it kind of looks a lot like the deck that I brought there and ended up sort of switching into your version. But did he have true names in his deck? I can't remember if I saw. He him. did. Yep. He did. Um, okay. He he had a small Green Sun Zenith package. I think he ran two Green Sun. Uh, he had three Stoneforge Mystic, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and then he had True Name and Knight. Okay. And then, like, what, like a Pride Mage Scoos or something? Yep. Um, I can't remember what the actual Green Sun targets were. I think there was there was a Teague in the sideboard. Um, yeah. I'm not looking at the list, so I could be wrong about that. But it was yeah. it was it was minimal. I was thinking about starting at two Green Sun Zenith as well, just to have, like, six chances at the Mana Dork turn one draw. Yep. Uh, seems optimal without like flooding on green suns because they can get kind of awkward. They can, especially if you're in a meta that is going to have quite a bit of spell pierce and daze, which I guess we can we can talk about now. Like, yeah, well, this is becoming bantcast, so let's uh, let's uh, hop into the actual. <laughs> um, 
what do you think what do you think the new tier one is going to look like so i think it's kind of hard right because you need to like ground yourself somewhere when you're starting this like thinking about you know what the new tier one is because everything's moving a little something everything loses something or you know gains relative to everything else and i think the place to start is honestly a sneak and show because that deck, you know, if you were playing, like, Gataxian Probe or not, I think, you know, a lot of the good lists I saw didn't have any Gataxian Probes. And uh, it's just raw power, right? I mean, it's 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 a boogeyman kind of deck. So I think that that's where you start. And, and week one, when we're playing in Worcester, that's going to be what people are bringing. So I agree with you, but kind of for a different reason. I think, when I think of the bannings and what they're going to do the format, I think that the card that gains the most right off the bat that people think about is Grizzlebrand. Yeah. And obviously Seek and Show runs Grizzlebrand and it's a very powerful Grizzlebrand deck. But I think the place that is kind of like the tier zero that everybody is going to think about and then think about having an answer to is Reanimator. So Deathrite Shaman's gone. Reanimator was a powerful combo deck before and it doesn't lose anything. But sure. I also think it's it's going to be a bad choice. We can talk about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm all ears. I, what I always heard was that uh, Blue Black Reanimator used to win the quote unquote mirror against uh, Sneak and Show back in the day. I guess you know because they can't cast a show and tell one to you. I guess uh, you probably just win game one that way. I'm not sure what the post board games really look like. So the Black Blue Reanimator build actually I think is is going to be better for people to sort of transition into. The reason why Reanimator sort of swapped over to Black Red was to get underneath Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, for sure. And you don't need to do that anymore. It's actually probably more beneficial that you have access to Force of Will. Reanimator has a great matchup against Sneak and Show because, like, just like you said, it turns off Show and Tell, and you're faster. Sneak and Show has a little bit more disruption, but you're both running forces. Game one, they don't have access to Flusterstorm, which they're probably going to be boarding in. And I actually haven't seen a, a good black-blue build in a while, so it's yeah, me be interesting to see how how that sort of plays out. Yeah, and I guess it makes sense, right? Because discard is just you know more, I guess, card-efficient than Force of Will in game one, so the blue-black sort of has the edge there. Yep. Uh, just having the information, I guess, is is big now that you know probe's gone. You'll more likely to know if they have a show and tell in hand, or you know what sort of pressure you're looking at. So I, I would definitely want to be on the blue black side. It makes sense. Yeah. So I think when it comes down to it, we have we've talked about sneak and show. We talked about reanimator. I, I think that a lot of people are going to be moving to those combo decks because they're very proactive, they're powerful, and the sort of prey that um, Grixis Delver used to just trash those decks um, is gone. Yep. No, I agree. So then I guess what you think about next is Death and Taxes, right? Yeah, I I actually played Death and Taxes at the um, at the Leaving Legacy tournament that was last week because I thought that um, there are a few decks that were going to be more represented in the meta before the ban that, that we'll, we'll talk about a little later. But Caracas just ends up being a great card in, um, in this metagame. Port gets way better without Deathrite Shaman being able to sort of ramp people past, um, past the actual mana attacks. Uh, yeah, that's Thalia. a big part of it, absolutely. And Stoneforge Mystic gets a lot better with basically every single Colgan's Command deck going away like there isn't going to be a check pile build anymore and even if somebody tried to build like a like a grixis control deck not having death shaman to ramp you to three mana or to five mana so you can like snap k command really makes stoneforge and the artifacts and death and taxes a lot more effective yeah that makes a lot of sense i i don't want to totally derail this i'm thinking about mardu builds now when you say there's no more Colagon's Command, just because it's such a powerful card, you know, and I'm trying to think of how how to work that in. But anyway, we should we should move on with the Death and Taxes thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's one of the decks that is right off the bat gonna be gonna be fairly well positioned. 
not only because of its um, show and tell and reanimator matchup, but because of what I think most Grixis Delver players are going to move into, which is Rug. So I I'm predicting that a lot of the people who who were playing Grixis before sort of shift back into the old Rug builds and. The old Rug versus Death and Taxes matchup was one of my favorite matchups to play um, because of how tight the play was in low mana environments. Yeah, that's a brutal matchup. Stifles coming back, like prepare to be stifled and have a plan for that. I, I think people people have sort of been complacent with their mana bases with Deathrite Shaman around, and Stifle was kind of pushed out of the format. I think in the first few weeks, there are going to be some greedy mana bases that really get punished by death and taxes and by rug. And we might be, we might be moving to a place where uh, legacy decks move back to playing 22, 23 land rather than the 18 to 20 that they were playing before. That's been my experience so far. So I've only played about 10 games testing and, uh, I, I felt very land light actually, and I was playing a 22 land build, uh, you know, with four wastelands and a dryad arbor, and I actually was like, man, I kind of want a 23rd land here, and I think that there might be like an overcorrection for that though, right? Like Aldrazi wasn't a deck before, right? It's uh, true. Mo- Moon Stompy has has a bigger share now than it did, and I think that those two put like sort of a different pressure on the format. You know, like Stifle is just not a good card in those matchups you know like you're you're maybe trading it for like a thought not trigger i don't even like stifle in the death and taxes matchup i mean you find a use for it but it, if i have something good i'll, I'll be trimming some number of stifles so I, i'm really curious how good stifle really is going to be in this meta when everything you know when the dust settles even week one you know so when we think about the other decks that people are going to be playing I think Stifle is excellent against Miracles. Yep, true. Uh, I think it's it's excellent against any of the people who are still going to try to play three-color mana bases with their fetches. So, yeah. um, like a Dark Maverick build, or a Bant, or, um, or even Reanimator. Yeah, I was like thinking about Sneak and Show and Reanimator. I, I definitely keep Stifles there. Yep. Um, I just I think it's a card that there are lots of people who have started to play Legacy in the last few years that didn't live through that Rug Delver era that they're they're just going to have to learn again and it's going to be punishing for those first few weeks when uh, you keep your you keep your two lander and you play your fetch land and it gets stifled and then you just lose without casting any spells. Yeah, I think I'm sold on what you were saying, the Grixis players moving over to Rug, just because everybody loves casting Stifle, you know? It's such like a such a gotcha sort of wonderful uh, feeling. Playing playing tempo decks just it it makes you feel like you are in control. So obviously playing control like like a Miracles build or um or like the four color pile builds before, you were loading up on removal and you were answering threats. But in a deck like Rug, you are literally just making every every turn of the game seem like it's turn one or turn two. Your yeah, exactly. opponent's three and four drops are dead. They're going to rot in their hand, and you get to take advantage of, of cards like Days for their full potential. Yeah. Because if somebody does hit their fourth or fifth land drop against a Rug player, uh, the game's not really going well for Rug. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they'll probably incorporate some number of true names, too. I, I don't know like what the last good rug build was, like the consensus build, but I think they were incorporating like one or two true names, right? Yeah, I, the ones that I'd seen in the Discord were playing a combination of Hooting Mandrels and True Name, which, like, I know that there were people that had success with it, but Hooting Mandrels is a shit card, <laughs> and I, I, can't, I can't believe like people were doing well with it. I, I really think that Rug is going to go back to the to the Delver Mongoose Tarmogoyf with some number of true names. Like, maybe three Goyf, one true name. 
or well, a three hear, and hear two. Hear me out, though. Hear me out. Who's playing Gurmag Angler anymore? Nobody. So maybe the, Hooting Mandrills is a card again. But Or I shouldn't say again. Maybe it is a card now. So, okay, obviously it's a Delve creature, but... It tramples over a true name. Sure, it tramples over a true name, but you have this like weird anti-synergy between Mongoose and yeah, Green Mandrills. Yeah. That's and, always been there, though, right? Yeah, but, I mean, that's one of the... Like, nobody in their right mind was playing Rug in the last few years. Like, if you wanted to play Delver, you play Grixis. <laughs> I think that Mongoose just ends up being such a great card against Miracles that if Miracles is a popular deck, like you don't you don't want to screw with that. You want to maximize your your one drop shroud True. and make them make them waste a terminus on your mongoose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, feel you. I think that um that playing something like Mandrills just doesn't doesn't work out as well as you want it to. So one thing I've been hearing a lot about, just like random people messaging me about different bug delver lists like is there really any reason to play bug delver at this point like you know you're talking about rug and i've been thinking a lot about blue red actually you think that there's any any reason to play bug at this point okay so bug has always been that sort of one step up from whatever the most popular delver deck was to try to to try to sort of break the mirror bug can play cards like tomb stalker and abrupt decay and bitter and blossom. sort of yeah um and sort of go one step up not quite into a mid-range build but more mid-range than the other delver deck yeah um i could see a build that replaces the death right shamans and probes with um with tarmogoyf with tomb stalker what about mongoose though i I don't I'm just know. wondering if there's a bug mongoose build. I don't know if you want to play mongoose and bug because I think one of the main draws to bug is Tombstalker. I think yeah. Tombstalker is awesome, and if you if you want to play a delve creature like that, mm-hmm. then committing to mongoose is going to take up too many spots in your deck that work against each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about the one drops, right? I mean, what do you really have other than Delver? In those colors now. So in in the threat spot, you're you're pretty much you're just playing Delver. You can have um, Thoughtseize and some disruption to fill that one drop spot. Yep. But the converted mana curve of Bug is going to be shifted up from um, from the rug builds. So it seems like you need some number of basics. So yeah, I, I don't even like where this is headed. It. If I was going to start in the format, I wouldn't start with Bug. So how do you feel about blue-red, then? I think blue-red, it's strange. There are cards that have seen play in blue-red that I just, like, I don't know how they see play in Legacy. Like Storm, Storm Chaser, Chaser Mage. Mage yeah. I just, anytime I see somebody play blue-red to play that card, like, it makes me it makes me sort of sad, because it's Legacy, and you're playing that creature. I know there are a bunch of people who are going to be like, shut up, Storm Chaser Mage is great, you're dumb. But... Polarade is gonna have a uh, have a word with you. For me, if I'm taking a look at something like Blue Red Delver, like there's way too much of a spectrum to how you can build it, right? Like there's so they lost probe, right? Yeah, they lost probe. Yeah, that's step one. So they had eight, like uh, I don't know what number six maybe of prowess creatures before. They didn't have Young Pyromancer, but typically they didn't have that. But the, you lose some velocity. Like, if you replace that with Preordain, or I don't know where what direction you'd go to just, like, one-for-one one that out. But you're not going to have exactly that velocity, right? Right, but the, the I think the build that is most common is a sort of, like, blue-red burn. Where yeah. you're playing your Delver, you're playing your Swift Spear, you're playing Bolt, Chain Lightning, probably some number of Price, to pro- price Progress. Yep. And Price of Progress could be very, very good in this meta if it sort of settles toward the mid-range lands side of the spectrum. 
it also could be very very bad if um if it's lots of early combo and death and taxes so i think that that version of blue red delver its effectiveness really really just relies on how good price of progress is but i also think there's like another way that you can go with it yeah exactly with with like snapcaster mage which is one of the secret like cards is really improving with death right leaving so as soon as you say snapcaster mage it makes me start to think about a blue red deck that sort of goes a little higher yep. because blue red delver played what 18 18 lands before i think they played lower... 16 because they don't have wastelands okay 16 crazy 16 low. lands in the in the old version Yep. Which is probably really closer to 17 or 18. It was 17 because of right. Probe. Yeah. But as soon as you add Snapcaster Mage to the mix, you really want to start hitting your third, fourth land drop. Yep. So you can still like get your value from Snapcasters. And you can't do it with that, that amount of land. And yeah, as soon anybody... as you start to add those lands, it seems to me like you want to add some more powerful cards up the curve. Like... Maybe True Name, maybe Blood Moon, maybe some sort of higher converted mana cost blue red deck that runs something like an actual counterspell to where you have the Delvers to find to pressure combo. Yeah. But you could also have some sort of sideboard plan where the Delvers come out and you're like a sort of legacy blue moonish deck. Yeah, exactly. Like a blue moon with like the Bedlam Revelers are. I think they're still really good, honestly. Um, well, so I think they're a solid card, but I think week one, I wouldn't want to play Bedlam Reveler. People are going to be gunning for Reanimator. You're going to see more Leyline of the Voids, um, Rest in Pieces, pretty much every form of Graveyard Hate. And uh, Bedlam Reveler is a stretch, right? I don't know, man. So if you have, let's say you have two snaps and two revelers in that deck, are you really that upset if somebody casts a rest in peace or, you know, shows you a ley line off the bat? Like, okay, now I have two ambush vipers and I'm probably not casting these two, you know, shuffle them away or whatever. I think that's a win for you, honestly. Like, that deck doesn't do that much out of the graveyard, right? I, yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably I don't know. very wrong. No, I, just, I don't know. I mean, I haven't played the deck, so. I just think it's a linear, powerful deck that really didn't... I don't think it really lost much, and I, I think it's it's not the worst place to start. I wouldn't be surprised to see it do well in Worcester. I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting to think about where the format is going to settle, but obviously, no matter how much you think about it and discuss things, something could come out of the blue and just, like, <laughs> crush every idea that you have like there's so many wild cards in legacy right now that i i have no idea what like what could happen like is goblins back is it a real deck again <laughs> can I, goblins I be eldrazi like i have no experience with goblins the, the the break i took from magic was basically from when goblins started to when goblins ended so you're gonna have to tell me i guess you know well what, in, what goblins good and bad matchups were well, basically, in my experience, Stoneforge Mystic just crushes goblins. If people are going to be playing more Stoneforge Mystic, regardless of whether or not Deathrite Shaman is in the format uh, and your lackeys don't have a 1-2 for 1 mana that they have to fight through, they're going to have to fight through Batterskull and Jit. And that deck, just in my experience, uh, doesn't have the tools to really fight through it consistently. Yo, is there a Shatter uh, Goblin now? Yeah, Tin Street, Tin Street Hooligan. Um, it's one in a red, and if you spend green when you cast it, um, right, right, it right. it um, shatters an artifact when it comes into play. I, I thought I saw something in M nineteen. This is kind of a weird sidebar, but it's like a goblin that's like sacrifice a goblin, destroy an artifact, or something like that. I haven't followed the M nineteen spoilers very closely or it could have been battle bond i haven't followed that closely either but that um that definitely could be a card that i don't know about and would potentially (laughs) would potentially handle 
what I just said. Yeah, Sword um, of Fire and Ice was always a beating against them. That that would be uh, brutal to all, see. That. All of them, like Batterskull, like blanks their whole board and turns the life around. Jit kills everything they have, and Sword of Fire and Ice just gets through everything and kills their best goblin. Yep. Even though I think Port picks up a bunch of steam as an individual card, I wouldn't want to sleeve up goblins to bring to the first tournament. So I guess there's two more decks that we were talking about earlier as being sort of in the new Tier 1 starting place, and that's the the first of which is Maverick. And I think that's sort of where we both went as Knight of the Reliquary, because you, you see, you know, with Deathrite leaving... We'd already seen like a downtick and abrupt decay, and now it's going to be you know next to non-existent as far as I can figure. So you know, Knight's playable again, and Knight's great for grabbing Caracas. It's it's great for you know wasting people out of games. So you know, how do you think you know Maverick lines up against the decks we've talked about so far? And do you think that the ideal build would be like a straight green white? Junk or Bant, I guess. So I think, I think without Deathrite Shaman, Junk Maverick loses a little bit of steam. Like you can still have Thoughtseize in the sideboard, uh, and you get some some okay sideboard options. Things like Zealous Persecution that are probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. But Miracles is still a deck. And Knight of the Reliquary and Mana Dorks against Miracles, just like, they don't work out very well. True. Um, I don't like Maverick in the sort of unfair combo matchups. I wouldn't want to play Maverick against Sneaking Show. I wouldn't want to play Maverick against Reanimator. Um, I might be wrong about that. but You, you mean just like green-white Maverick? Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't think that it has the tools to fight the control and combo matchups. I think it's probably fine against Rug Delver. I think it's probably fine against Blue-Red, Delver. Um, all of the tempo strategies is sort of like made to to combat. Yeah. But I think week, week one, Maverick would just have too many bad matchups for me to not want to play something like Ban. Yeah, I agree. Sorry to cut you off, but going back to what we were saying about if you're splashing black, I think having access to Zealous is going to be huge, though, in this true name meta, and with Death and Taxes being one of the week one decks we've agreed upon. And it seems like this is the only deck we've talked about so far that has access to Zealous, and Bant's not going to, right? Well, I think it depends on on what type of build you're working with Bant. I think if you're willing to sort of stoop... I don't want to say stoop, but, but accept... <laughs> Except Birds of Paradise as a card. Oh no no no! You don't you don't think so? I don't know. I I, I don't personally. But is that where you're going? I mean, I, it might be it might be where I'm going. You you could potentially put together uh, a similar four color deck that you have access to Leovold and Zealous in the sideboard um, that really maximizes True Name. Sort of that that same four color Stoneblade build, only your mana dork shift from Deathrite and Noble to Noble and Birds. Man, I my Birds of Paradise are in my old school deck, and I never even thought about them as a legacy card. To be honest, it just seems so bad, right? Like as a top deck, or I I don't know, man. I, Doesn't Noble Hierarch though? Yes and no. I mean, there's a lot of times, you know, you, you draw Noble and it's just like, okay, this is my clock with my true name. It's not birds, right? I think that if if you're willing to accept the card quality uh, difference in top decking of birds, you gain in the card quality of being able to play true name accelerated more, Leovold and Zealous Persecution and Thoughtseize out of the sideboard. So when you when you think about Bant, there are so many different ways to build it. Is yeah. it straight Bant? Is it Green Sun Package? Is it Four Color? And the balancing of all of that leads to like 10 or 15 different builds that you could have that all seem 
very attractive, given that, like, Swords of Plowshares is great now. Yeah. The sideboard options out of Bant are probably the best in Legacy. And if you add a four-color build that has black, they are just the best. I don't know, man. Red Blast is still pretty good, but for the most part, I agree. Okay. You're probably right about that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're kind of selling me on the Spurs of Paradise because... One of the cards I've been thinking a lot about is Leovold and whether anybody's going to stretch to play that card anymore because it was so defining for the past, you know, however long it's been since it was printed. It's still a great card. And, and yeah, and does it just disappear now? I mean, well, there are really there are two decks that can play it, right? You talked about Bug Delver earlier. Yep. And we talked about how you sort of build it more like a like a mid-range deck. You could play it as a top end in Bug Delver. You could still play a Reed Duke style bug deck that plays Noble Hierarch and True Name and Leovold. Or you could play it in a four color band deck. Man, that Reed Duke, I didn't think about that deck. I haven't thought about that in a while. So he didn't have a Green Sun package in that final version of that deck, right? Nope. So that's almost where I could see putting Birds of Paradise, actually. Into. Into, the into that deck, deck. A, just, just because one like, of? no as like a probably a two or three of just to because that deck was all about sticking the turn two true name or leovold right which is still a very powerful play when you have days back so if if you do that that gives you four nobles you said two birds if you're running three green sun zenith you have nine one-mana accelerants if you count the green no, suns. No, no, no. So I was saying without any green suns. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I could I could see that. But if you're willing to accept it in a bug deck... Yep. Yeah, yeah, you, you got me. Then playing it in a four-color deck, it just, it's more powerful if you're getting more use out of it. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that leaves... A couple of decks we had as wild cards, one of which is Elves. Elves loses I, death rate, you know? Yeah, Elves was probably the deck that took advantage of Death Right Shaman the most. Yep. Query and Ranger with Death Right Shaman. Is, am I thinking right? Is Query and Ranger the untap? Uh, symbiote? Is Symbiote the untap? I, I get those two confused. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, just being able to machine gun activations... It's easily replaceable, right? Like, they have plenty of other mana dorks that they can put in to fill that spot. But is Elves going to be well-positioned? Is it explosive enough to fight through combo? Is Miracles going to see a high enough share to make Elves not playable? I don't know. I don't have enough experience with Elves to um, to make a prediction. I don't think Elves was unplayable when Miracles was at its peak, right? I mean, it had an awful matchup, but even at a 20% Miracles, it still did well enough against the field. You know, especially with, like, good players, you still see it putting up results. So, I think uh, that... I thought, I thought when Miracles was at its peak, you would be, you would be insane to play Elves. <laughs> so, what are we going to see? Maybe at the max, at absolute max, 10% Miracles to start? I don't know. I, I think that it is a deck that obviously there were a lot of people that were comfortable playing at pre-ban for before top got banned. And when things get sort of shaken up, people look back to the decks that they were most most successful with in the past. And I think I think a lot of people are sort of going to move to miracles. I think it's still really powerful. Its mana base is very solid. If you're expecting people to play rug. It has the tools to fight through it. They have great sideboard options against Sneak and Show and Reanimator. I know the yeah. Sneak and Show yeah, is probably going to be a bad matchup, but I, I just see Miracles crushing Reanimator. I think that Miracles is probably going to be the second or third most popular deck, and I, I don't I don't think it's going to be like ten percent, but I think it like seven eight percent that could be the third most popular deck. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. What about like a blue-white blade deck? I've heard a lot of talk about this. Like we're in the Facebook group, uh, Legacy Blade group, I guess. Uh, and, you know, you hear about the Esper, the blue-white-red builds. 
and I think maybe, you know, the, just a straight blue-white with, like, uh, there was a list from Vegas 2017 that had, like, eight basics in it or six basics or something. And that yep. just seems really appealing right now. And I think he had, like, something crazy, like, three or four sideboard disenchants, too. Yeah, um, I think that was a back-to-basics deck, too. Oh, was it? Uh, it was a super clean list. I remember it was, like, four snap, four true name. It was, it was like, a looked like a good starting point. There was another one from Vegas this year that I believe had Teferi in it. Now, I I don't think that I would be playing Teferi in that deck. Seattle, um, maybe? Because I think Vegas didn't have Legacy. You're, you're right. It was, yep, it was Seattle. I think it might be good, but I don't want to play it. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> I think that I think that if you want to play a blue-white deck like that that has a resilient mana base and a bunch of basics, you probably just want to take it one step further and play Miracles. Yep. Um, there are many different possible Stoneforge options that you can go. Like we haven't, I don't know if we've talked about Jeskai, but any color combination can probably support Stoneforge Mystic because I think the card just gets better in the meta. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't start with blue white. It's clean. It can do well, but I think the other options are a little more attractive right now. I agree. I think, uh, Having access to Blood Moon is pretty powerful. Having access to the Blast is pretty good. But it's always been sort of a a meta deck. I mean, you don't have a meta. Or you have a shifting or sort of like amorphous thing that we have right now. It seems like a big gamble, right? It does. And we haven't even talked about the Merit Lage decks. I, like, yeah, yeah. I, I ended up picking up a Tabernacle, and it's graded. And I don't want to crack the case. What's it but great? Lands, lands. It's, it's a nine. And the reason why it's a nine is because because of one eight point five subgrade. It's got an eight point five centering. Everything else is a nine point five. Um, it's right, gorgeous. It, that's that's pretty sick. Um, it's, it's English, right? No, it's Italian. I didn't want to say that on the cast. <laughs> I got I got it. I got it for a deal, but um. But Lands, I mean, Lands has been around for a long time. It, previously to picking up in popularity, had some of the highest win percentage pilots on it. If you look at the Legacy Grand Prix win percentages, and you just sort of sort it from the top, the top 15 had three or four people who just specifically played Lands. Um, And... I don't know how much I like the lands combo matchups, but if we see the fair decks week one show up gunning for combo, lands could be really well positioned. Yeah, no, I agree. And I guess turbo depths too was like gaining steam. It, it was like a serious contender. I, I I don't know if it was like considered tier one by pre ban. Well, but I, think, I think it certainly deserved to be. Um, I think was it was it the European Legacy Championship that it won the um, the slow depths or was that an MKM series? I think it was MKM, but honestly, I don't know. Okay, so recently, like in in the spring, early summer, the um, Dark Confidant Deathrite Shaman No Lotus Petal build of depths won the tournament with and three safe keepers or something like that. Yep, uh, I don't know if they were all main deck, but there were like three in the 75. Yep. Um, it's powerful, right? Like, it's one of the reasons why Swords to Plowshares just gets better in this new field. Uh, there are going to be lots of people that, like, try to jam Merit Lage, but is it the best combo deck? I think it's one of the worst against Death and Taxes, in my, in my estimation, when you're losing Death right from that deck. I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough question. I, I honestly can't say if it's better or worse than it was before, given this Tier 1 list that we're looking at right now. Yeah, I think the interplay between Sneak and Show, Reanimator, and Turbodeps is going to be really interesting to watch. Because even though they're playing like all completely different cards, they sort of fill the same role in the metagame. Like, reanimators maybe one turn faster, but Sneak and Show and Depths are like that that turn three kill you deck. 
they just go about it in a different way. Yeah. And they both seem weak to similar decks. Like, we talked about Death and Taxes. But you know what? There, we didn't talk about Diabolic Edict yet. And that's a card that, like, as I'm looking at this list, it's really just not there, right? I mean, it's it's in the hypothetical bug list we talked about. It's maybe in, like, a Junk Maverick kind of build. but Maybe Esper Stoneblade. Um, if, yeah. But... So you have this, like, complete drop in Edict. It's not in Grixis yeah. sideboards anymore. It's not in Pile main decks and sideboards. But you see all of the decks that we've been talking about. There's a lot more Swords to Plowshares decks, right? True, yeah. And I think Swords to Plowshares picks up the slack where the drop-off in Edict happens. And it's it's still difficult for Depths to fight through. Yeah, it's an ugly answer. And, and you know, there's Jace's, too, if you can slow them down to that. Yeah, I think you're really reaching. Sometimes it happens. But if your game plan is, you know what, like, chump lock and Jace bounce, it's not going to work out well for you. Right. I'm interested to see... So Flusterstorm has been a card that we're always sideboarding one, two, three of, right? It's good in the blue mirrors, and you know you're you're always thinking about storm. You're always thinking about you know these sort of turn one combo decks that you might face. You know how good is is flusterstorm? How good is spell pierce right now? Because like you don't want to be bringing flusterstorms in your board in any serious number against like you know your Aldrazi's, your Stompies, your Death and Taxes sort of meta, your Mavericks. We're gonna see a lot more spell pierces compared to flusterstorms, right? Well, I think that they, while very similar cards, are for different for different things. Yep. Spellpierce is more flexible, obviously. It's better against Stompy. It's probably better in the Blue Mirrors. But if what we think is going to happen out of the gate in Week 1 happens with Sneak and Show and Reanimator, and we haven't even talked about Storm, like, I have no idea what's going to happen with it. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about it, because I don't know. I just... <laughs> I guess we we look at Brian Cook and Brandon Osborne. And, we'll defer to yeah. Yeah, and uh, and see what they're posting on Facebook. But Spellpierce is a spot. Yeah, I I think I'm I would still maybe look to like a two one split in favor of Spellpierce now in my sideboard for okay. for this upcoming tournament. Yeah, I think it's it's tough to think about sideboard plans in general because we don't have like a specific deck we're talking about. Yep. And I think if we're talking about, like, Bant, there are so many different builds of Bant that, like, Pierce could be main. And I don't I don't think I mind that in what I think the meta is going to end up shaping up to be. Yep. But the balance between those is definitely going to have to be a wait and see. Yep. What do you think of Infect? That could be really good. So, Grixis is gone. The whole probe therapy... That was such an awful matchup. Yeah, know, know what you have in your hand of it anymore. The Delver decks are probably only going to be running Bolt, maybe one forked Bolt, um, or Dismember in the sideboard or something like that. It could be great. It really could. Man, I wasn't even thinking about that. So if you're going to play like a Sneak and Show, Death and Taxes kind of meta, yeah, I, I really think you could do well with Infect, honestly. That's super interesting. I, I, I totally forgot about that. I, I totally wrote it off just because Grixis was so much of the meta and Pyle yeah. and everything, and it this, was just dead money. It's it's worst matchups are just gone. And that's super interesting. Since really, like we haven't we haven't heard from it in a while, it could be poised for a comeback. So I think that if I was going to start a gauntlet, like we're going to this weekend. There are certain decks that you just want to make sure that you are good against, like Rug Delver, Death and Taxes, Sneak and Show, Reanimator, probably Moonstompy and Miracles too. Yeah, that's a lot of ground to cover. But those another, are the ones. You, another that? deck that we haven't talked about at all that this sort of this infect thing kind of reminded me of is Aggro Loam, right? Like you're punishing Johns and Aggro Loams that yeah, to, seemed like they were a big part of the meta before, right? To me, ah. Uh, just anytime I see an agrolome deck, you kind of just wish the person decided what side they wanted to be on. Like, 
seeing seeing a deck that's named after a card that they're only playing like two of, <laughs> right? Like, oh, it's aggro loam. Oh, but like you only have one or two loam. It's another reliquary deck, but it's not Maverick. Like it's got yeah. Chalice, but it's not Stompy. Like, what are you trying to do? And that's well, that's always what those aggro loam builds like sort of seem to me. Like there were always a mishmash of cards that sort of sat in the middle of a bunch of decks that each one of those decks was probably just better than the combination of cards. I mean, it was a high variance deck, right? Like you're not playing brainstorm. You're, you know, you have Mox diamond chalice starts, but you only have four of them compared to eight that like a stompy deck would have. So it was, it was definitely a high variance deck. But it, it definitely ate True Name for lunch. I mean, you have Deluge, Golgari Charm, then you have like your Punishing Fires, which aren't as important, I guess, now without Death Rite, but are still a nice tool to have. I wouldn't be surprised to see people showing up with that deck. You know, you have your Lilianas for Edicts. Like, we're talking about how this meta, you know, doesn't have Edicts anymore. I think that uh, it could start out well, maybe. So, you're, you're really sort of all in on Chalice, right? Because... Your your whole combo matchup is just awful. Yeah, it, it's not worse than Mavericks though. Right, but I think we we sort of wrote off Maverick because like Maverick was dead money in the combo matchup too. Like if you don't have a like a set metagame to attack, playing a toolbox green white deck probably isn't the right idea. You want to be doing something that's like proactive, that's powerful, mm-hmm. that's probably a little bit more resilient and consistent than aggro loam. I'm sure there are a lot of aggro loam players that are like, it's consistent, you're dumb. Bro, you just um, hate aggro loam, don't you? Just, I mean, if you're going to play, if you're going to play a deck like that, like, sleeve it up and don't end up bitching about Brainstorm when you have <laughs> your Chalice hands against, like, Sneak and Joe and when you have your Knight of the Reliquary hands against some deck that Wasteland isn't good against. Like, I don't know. I just I would never sleeve up that deck for a tournament. Yeah, no, I I actually have all the cards. I was intending to play it at one tournament, and I just didn't do it because I was like, I I can't do this. So obviously, I'm not gonna be playing it either. But I don't think that it would be the worst deck to bring to Worcester. Okay. Yeah, I'm. It would take me being very convinced about a certain deck to not play something with Brainstorm. And that's just like a like a personal yeah, preference. Yeah, of course. And I think it's True Name. I think the Aggro Loam is probably the best against True Name, but and I think I think in the in the decks that we talked about today, the ones that we expect to be big, the only one that we talked about that had True Name is Bant. Yeah, there were some that had some number of True Name though, right? Like we're going to put some in Rug, we're going to put some in Blue Red, we're going to put some that might be it actually. Okay, maybe the blue-white stone blade shell. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, no, I, I see where you're going. It's, it's really not, maybe not even as big as it was. So if you were going to pick a deck to play and you had to pick right now, what would it be? It's between Bant and blue-red. I really like this blue-red. And I guess Infect, too. Shit. It, it's one of those three, absolutely. I think Bant and Infect are going to be what I'm seriously testing online the next two weeks. Uh, What about you? Um, If I have to choose right now, I am playing four-color Bant uh, with Birds of Paradise. With one Birds of Paradise or with four? No, with with four Birds of Paradise. Oh, jeez. And three Leovolds. (sighs) That's, That's something. That's what that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. And then I'm just gonna see I'm gonna see how it goes. So we have a little bit of testing to do this weekend, but that's the deck that I'm most excited about. And I could be wrong, but I think that's where I wanna start in this format. Would you consider playing a basic now or are you still gonna be on the same mana base? So I think with four colors, you have to be a little bit greedy with your mana base. I think that if from what I see, there's a lot more Blood Moon than I could I could see myself playing a Forest and maybe a Crescent Grip or two. Maybe. But playing Basics against Rug in a deck that has that many color requirements 
you're really sort of just pigeonholing yourself because yeah, you're going to get port, rid of your yeah yeah you're, you, they're gonna they're gonna cut you off of your other duels and just leave you with that basic that isn't going to be able to do what you need to do. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I had honestly just thrown four color out the window. I, I wasn't thinking that it was even possible anymore. But, I mean, if you're going to play those birds, anything's possible. Yeah, I think I, I think it's going to see a little bit more like a... And it's Bro, not do you me. Ha- I actually... Um, what's that? Do you have, like, FBB birds or what? Uh, I don't. I have... Uh, I have revised ones. I, have oh, no. ones. I, uh, I do not have Pimp Birds Paradise, so we might, we might have to change that. Yeah, dude, for sure. I'm looking forward to, to this gauntlet. It should be good. All right. So I think, I think we talked about everything that we wanted to talk about. Um, I am more excited to play Legacy right now than I have been in a really long time. And, uh, and I've always loved the format. So that's really saying something about how these bands uh, have shaken up the format that people want to play it. Dude, I'm just so excited. You know, you resolve mulligans and you don't just see Probe hit the table and it's just, oh, what's your hand? Let me write your fucking hand down. Like, that experience was so miserable. And you know what? Sometimes probe. sometimes it wasn't. I um, In the Leaving a Legacy tournament, I ended up playing against Rich Shea. Mm-hmm. And he was playing Grixis Delver. We were in our game three. And um, I was on the play, played my vial, it resolved. He untapped and probed me. And it wasn't even a look in his face. He just said, wow, wow that's a really good hand. <laughs> and I was like, you are, you are absolutely right, sir. Hey, uh, cool. Yeah, he, he is outstanding. That was the first time I got a chance to play against him. Oh, yeah, he's, he's great. He, he's a consummate player. He, he's a super professional. Completely agree. Yep. All right, man. You want to call it a night? Yeah, let's call it a night. I'm going to finish this beer and uh, apologize to my wife for waking her up at midnight. You can find me on Twitter at tsmileymtg, Ian at Ian18125. And as always, you can find the cast on Twitter at deadformatcast. Hope you enjoyed our first episode, and we'll be bringing it back to you next week with the results from this weekend's testing. Thanks a lot, everybody.